0: continue our series, Experiencing the Presence of God. Those of you that weren't here last week, you saw the, the lovely photo behind me, and who knows where that is? Pretty place, Camp Greenville. If you're not familiar with that, it's just the northern part of this county, and that's a lovely picture taken by a local photographer, Kevin Ruck. I called him Huck last week, more embarrassing than you can imagine, but today we reflect on several significant purposes of prayer. You have your Bibles? Everybody's still bringing their Bibles, right? You have your Bible? $15. I, give, I can give you a loan. Bring your Bibles, and we've got, we're going to move quickly today. You ready? We need great proficiency, don't we, with God's Word. So I will Give you page numbers today in this Bible because we're going to cover a lot of different passages. Ephesians 2, 18, we begin. And it's on 943. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. That really is the whole gospel. Don't read it too quickly. Don't overlook it. Absorb it. As Christians, as believers, as people who are born again, all these are synonymous terms. We are invited to come to the Father only because the Son sacrificed His life for the very sins that would prevent us from having access to a holy God. Don't miss that. Every one of these, this one verse, has all the essentials. And we're enabled. In fact, we're led to pray by the Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. When I say the Spirit, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, not your Spirit. By the Holy Spirit who resides within us. Prayer provides us several things. I'm only listing four key things today to help us to take another look at our access to God. Prayer provides, first, communication with God. Prayer is a conversation. And conversation is an essential for any real growing relationship every relationship you have if you want it to grow it requires continual conversation god's no exception to that john 17:3 and that's on 869 We've seen this verse over and over. But we need to really have it in our spirits. And this is. The way to have eternal life. To know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ. The one. You sent to earth. Now remember this word. Know. Isn't. Intellectual information. If I use the word intellectual or the word cognitive, both of those just mean some facts that you have acknowledged, you've apprehended. The word know here, Greek word gnosko, isn't mere intellectual knowledge. It's a deep, intimate, ongoing love relationship that includes... A foregoing and ongoing life of shared communication. Knowing God, when you come to know God, is the start of something. You know, unfortunately, and you've heard me say this, our culture has cut the gospel so slim, I, I question whether it's even the gospel. I prayed this prayer, I was baptized way back now I'm a Christian, that's the end of it. I'll see God in heaven. That's like saying when you get married, you stand at the altar, you say I do, she says I do. And the, and the preacher or the priest, whoever says they do. Sends you out and you're done. Mm-mm. Marriage is an invitation into intimacy. Intimacy. Physical intimacy, yes, but even more more potent than than physical intimacy is emotional, spiritual intimacy. That's really what makes physical intimacy in marriage significant. But see, when we're born again, that's not the end of anything. That's an invitation to begin a life of ever-growing intimacy with God. It's the start of something. Eternal life is more than living forever. It's experiencing this personal relationship with God both now and forever. So if you're born again, eternal life doesn't begin after you die. Eternal life has begun, so your life should be significantly altered, different. If you're a Christian today. See, we are are not merely servants and worshipers of God. We are that. We're not just people who express respect and honor to Him. We're also His children who come near to Him in warm familiarity. Galatians 4, 5. Just go to the right. And that's on 940 if you haven't gotten there yet. God sent him to buy freedom for us. Who were slaves to the law. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children. God has sent the spirit of his son. Into our hearts. Prompting us to call out Abba, Father. And Abba is Aramaic for a familiar name for father. Some say it could be daddy even. The Holy Spirit within you. Do you discern his presence? Do you? Can you tell he's within? The Holy Spirit within us assures us of God's acceptance and adoption so that we can approach him as a child comes to a loving parent. You come with confidence. God speaks to us. He speaks to us in prayer. He speaks to us through his word, the Bible. But it's through the Holy Spirit that we are led into truth. We talked about that last week. And and I I've used a number of times a message. You're sitting in here now, I'm speaking And hopefully I'm giving you some some valuable information. But everything I say isn't an experience of God's truth. But some of it will be when the Spirit of God activates something I say and applies it to you. Is that right? You know that experience? Okay, it's different, isn't it? And when the Spirit of God activates it and applies it to you, it changes you. You see what I'm saying? I can tell you the same things over and over. And I and sometimes you say, well, what he said was good. I'm going to try to do that. But over here, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm not doing that. But when God leads you into truth, it alters you. You can look in John 14, 17. You can look in John 16, 13. We pray to communicate with God personally so we can know Him better. So we can learn to enjoy His presence. See, I'm not talking about this distant God that you hope opens the door into heaven when you die. You know, the, you know this feeling when I'm saying, okay, it's, you've got some time to pray. You ever feel a little excitement about that? Because you have an expectation that you're going to experience God. Because you've got a little extra time you've set aside. You know what I'm talking about here, Carrie? It's not this cold thing like going through a drive through leaving your request. Now, when we're unfamiliar with God... Or when we aren't even born again. We will automatically attempt to use prayer. To ask God for some stuff to change our circumstances. And here's even worse, the worst part. We will pray to a God we have fashioned. From our own preferences. To do our bidding. To improve the world that we live in. Is that fair? So here's the question. You know I'm always going to hold up a mirror right? Here's the question. What is your God like? There you know. What is your God like? Like, is God who He is, or is He merely a projection of your preferences? And He's just an upright blur. Because I'll tell you this our tendency is to create this friendly, forgiving God, perhaps some whiskers, looks a little like Santa. We want him to behave like Santa. Not a holy God who expects obedience because he loves and wants what's best for us. See, see what that requires of me? I've got to learn who he is instead of me just declaring something out of my own preferences. Is that fair? So we're defining instead of discovering the sovereign creator and ruler of the universe. How could you dictate to him his identity? Now I understand, be still and know that I am God. Now, as we grow in our knowledge and our familiarity with God, our prayers stop being assignments. They start becoming responses to God because we are answering what He's saying. And he's saying, he says it to us in our times of prayer. He says it to us through his word. But it's a circular discussion. You, you with me, Happy? It's a response to who he is. You under, y'all understand this, right? Everybody tracking with me? When I go home and my wife's there, my conversation with her, doesn't start with me talking to someone I don't even know. My conversation is a response to what I already know. If I go in, I see I look on her face, I go, "Oh." Or I may say, "Oh, wonderful." I got to You see what I'm saying? It's an ongoing relational response every time we reconnect. That's prayer. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us don't know what I'm talking about. God will speak to you. I mean, if you've been in this church a while, you've been hearing this. Jesus said his sheep know his voice. Do you know God's voice? Do you know God's It's crucially important. The only way that you'll identify God's voice is by gaining familiarity with it. One of my old friends called me about two weeks ago. Well, right before Christmas. And this is a kid that I was in elementary school with. I played football with. I, we went to junior high school together. We hung out. I mean, and so when when I picked up this phone, even though I hadn't spoken to him in more than a year, I knew exactly who it was. I knew exactly who it was. I knew his voice. Do you know God's voice like that? You're, you're, you're in a dangerous place if you don't. Because we are subject to substitute our own ideas and desires for God's voice. Unless we can tell the difference. How do you do that? Well, we discern the voice of God by, by, by the way we hear. It has a tone. It has a tone. It has a quality, a weight, an impact, a power. You, by the spirit of it, it comes, it comes in peace and confidence and calmness and reassurance in the same personality Jesus displayed. We, under, we recognize it by its content because God will never... Did y'all hear that word I just said? What word did y'all hear? What word did y'all hear? He will never contradict his word. I've had people tell me that God wanted them to break up their marriage and go with this woman they were having an affair with. That was from God. No blank it wasn't. That was from the blank. But I'm listen, I'm not making this up. I've had people look at me and tell me this is what God wants for me. Can't tell the difference in their own desires and the voice of God. There's a nature to it. When God comes to you, He doesn't come in a scolding, nasty, criticizing, condemning tone. He doesn't. He gave His Son for you. Why would He mistreat you? Why would He minimize you? He encourages, he he strengthens, he builds up. So do you discern the voice of God? Okay, remember last week's soul training question? What was it? Ask God. How many tried that? Come on, y'all are going to break my heart. Have me tried that this week. What do you... What am I going to have to do to wake y'all up? You're not going to move unless you move. You're not going to grow unless you grow. God, what do you want me to know? Is the question. And then learn, listen, but learn to hear the response. Learn to hear the response. Aren't y'all tired of being stuck where you are spiritually? Move. Only reason you're stuck is you, not God. Move. Prayer provides a change in our identity. Conversation with God leads to an encounter with Him, an experience. That changes us. You know, whenever you spend a significant amount of time with someone, you take on some of their character traits. Now, the problem is it can be good. good, Or the problem is not that it can be good. The problem is that it, but it can be bad too. That person you're hanging with, you're picking up some of their traits. Good ones and bad ones. Good ones and bad ones. So be careful. Who you're hanging with. But when we spend spend time with God. Experiencing his nature. Absorbing his truth. We are transformed. And through repeated experiences with God. With his person. With his presence. We are. Are drawn away and, and it weakens the world's influence on us, which strengthens the Spirit's influence within us, so that the Holy Spirit within us exercises more control on our lives. Conforming us like Jesus Christ. You know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about? Is this confusing? Romans twelve two. Y'all know this verse. We we've, we've worked on this verse. This is another one I learned. You know what? You preached it. I used to think. Okay, I preach that. I can't preach that in a while. Uh, preach it. Then preach it again. Then you need to preach it a few more times. Then say it three more, five more, eight more, ten more. And, and then somebody will go, did you ever talk about that before? <laughs> we are slow to learn it, aren't we? So I'm just repeating the same thing. This verse, Romans 12, 2, 9, 13. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Y'all know this passage. Let God, what's the word? We've been using this word now for about two years. Transform you into a new person. How's it happen? Changing the way you think. Some translations say renewing your mind. That transformation prayer that we're teaching is nothing but mind renewal. It's just a process to facilitate mind renewal. To hear God as he changes our thinking. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and it's perfect. Now, we can know a lot about God from listening to sermons. From sitting in classes and Bible studies. But we really don't know him. In this saving, this gnosco way. Until the knowledge of who He is. And what He's done for us in Christ. Has changed who we are. Did y'all hear that? We don't know Him until the knowledge... Of who he is and what he's done for us has altered who we are. Information doesn't yield regeneration, regeneration is being born again by the truth of God through his Spirit. Well, you sound like you're describing something strange. Yes, I am. You sound like you're describing some kind of force. Yes, I am. No greater force is known in this world. Have you? Has that force touched you? Is my question. Because if you're the same as you've been, you haven't. You haven't experienced that force. Our behavior actions and attitudes always reveals our identity i'm not i'm not what i say i'm what i show who are you who are you chris good to see you what identity if you could get outside your body and look at you what identity is revealed through your attitudes and actions? The person that's in the next desk to you, that person can tell you who you are. You're not better than their attitude towards you. You might be worse, but you're not better. You see? Colossians 3.10 again another familiar passage we memorized this passage put on your new nature now that implies that you have a role in it doesn't it put on your new nature and be renewed that's something God does As you learn to know your creator, and and what happens then? You become like him. So who has roles in this? I do. God does. I can't change myself spiritually, but I can cooperate with the change. I I can make myself available for the change. I can spend the time before God so it can happen. See, through prayer, our abstract, our informational knowledge of God becomes real, personal, practical to us and in us. Which changes us. And we have some influence. We can influence the rate of transformation. Do you believe that? And, you know, we've been looking at spiritual disciplines. I, I mean, I, I don't have the heart to ask whether y'all are doing them. I'd hate to be crying up here on stage. But we talked. We went through all these disciplines, you know, in these courses. And I said, look, every Tuesday... We fast on Tuesdays. Fast from food, fast from media, fast from whatever you will on Tuesdays. Pray five minutes, five days a week. Read one of these devotional books. We're selling two. They're now in the bookstore in in the little peanut cart. Cooperate with God in this change. Through prayer, through fasting, through soul training exercises, through silence, through solitude. Are you being changed? Mike, you any different? I'm not talking about your hair going grayer. I'm about to go back and see you next summer. I'm going back and see some folks I started in ministry with. And I know they're going to see some things about me. I got more forehead than I used to. Are you being changed? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about losing your hair. and I'm talking about even putting on weight. I'm talking about internally. Are you being changed? Are you being conformed into Christ's image through your prolonged, repeated time in prayer? I know for a lot of you it's just boring. It's dull. Well, how do I get past that? You know how, don't you, Kim? You know how? You pray till you pray. You pray till you pray. You didn't jump on a bicycle and start riding it. But now you, here's a challenge. This week, spend as much time in prayer as you do on social media. Is it possible? That what God wants to say... Oh yeah, and those of you that are chuckling that don't know anything about social media. You spend as much time on that as you do Fox News. How about that one? <laughs> Come on, I got more for you. Y'all keep on coming up in here. <laughs> or sports. Some of you say, well, I don't... look." Oh yeah, you sports nuts. Come on. Is it possible... That what God wants to say to you will be more important than what someone has just written on your wall. I, I, I see some, some folks, they hear that little phone click. <laughs> Why don't you say, God, do you like me? <laughs> All these people that like you, they don't even know you. I got I got 150 likes, yeah, by people that don't wouldn't recognize you in the mall. Oh yeah, y'all are just your lives are poorer because you don't know what kind of burrito I ate on Friday. Lord, prayer also provides, but let me tell you this this seriously. Satan will use every one of these little frivolous distractions to rob you of time to spend with God. Now that statement was serious. Some of it's foolishness, but that statement's serious. And the fact that all this communication is in on top of us today with these little phones, Satan can laugh and chuckle and gloat over that Because look at that foolishness. You spend more time seeing what somebody pinned than praising the God who created you and saved your soul. I'm not saying all that sin, but I'm going to tell you, if it's crowding in and you say, I don't have time to pray, which means I don't have time to know God, which means it's not very important to me. You won't have time unless you make time and you won't make time unless you clear some stuff out. Prayer provides correction of attitudes and actions. God sees everything about us. He sees us he sees us more clearly than we see ourselves. Hebrews chapter 4 on 966 verse 13. These are just short passages nothing in all creation is hidden from God everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable now all of us recognize that prayer requires humility recognizing who I am recognizing my need of God and knowing you know, at least somewhat who he is But if we want to learn to pray prayers that reshape our lives, we have to move beyond a mere sense of our insufficiency or weakness and move into deep honesty about ourselves. We instinctively try to hide our disobedience from God, which is impossible, ridiculous. But we also try to conceal our sins from ourselves. Here's what I mean. I mean, don't we? We deny, we minimize, we blame somebody else. We declare this. This is an American statement. of God doesn't care about our disobedience. Everybody sins. Next time somebody says that, I'm going to throw up right on their feet. Everybody sins, which means... Sin is insignificant. How can something be insignificant that calls the life of God's Son? Everybody sins. How does that give you comfort? See, that's a justification. It's a minimization of what is is attacking our spiritual life. We're, We're grasping to our breast the very thing... That's killing out our spiritual life. Through prayer we encounter the nature of God. We're stripped of pretense. We're we're brought back into contact with God's presence and His holiness. We we come to understand that, that disobeying God is dishonoring someone who dearly loves us. John 15, 10 says this. You can just look at it on the screen. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Do you see that? Well, what's implied there is that when we break His commands, we're breaking our relationship. We're severing our intimacy. John 14, 21. So we have to make the effort to expose to God our deepest fears, our hurts, our flaws, our sins, which exposes them to us. And in prayer, we can escape excusing and blaming, denying and defending. And instead, we can see ourselves clearly so we can be changed. In prayer, we discover our true selves. So yes, sometimes prayer is painful. You ever taking something to God? Maybe you're praying about somebody else who's irritating you. And God shows you yourself. That's what's supposed to happen. Because we want to be cleansed so we can come closer. Do you know yourself? This is a simple fact that the nearer we get to God's holiness and purity, the more we become aware of our own unholiness and impurity. As we come to know God better, guess what? We come to know ourselves better. Look up John 5, 13. I'm not going to deal with it now. If we're living self-centered instead of God-centered lives, We will attempt to use prayer selfishly simply to get more of the things that may be already ruined in our lives. Prayer brings a new perspective because it puts God back into the picture. God will only give us what pleases Him. So we have to, to, if we want to pray effectively, we have to learn who He is, what pleases Him. Because God loves us too much to give us something that he knows will harm us. Though we may not know it. When you pray, do you ever say, now God, I just prayed about all these things. I'm asking you to refuse anything that will be damaging to me and separate me from you. It's a good way to close out a prayer. And then lastly, prayer provides contentment despite difficulties. Romans eight. Everybody needs to know Romans eight. Romans 8:26. 8, Acts Romans. 909. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. We don't know what to pray for ourselves. But the Spirit of God does. And so the Spirit's presence, He intercedes for us but He reminds us And enables us to accept that God cares for us and God is overseeing our lives. The Holy Spirit intercedes according to God's will for you. Did you know that? You may not even be aware of it. And the Father hears us praying for what is best. Because the Spirit's prayer passes through. And He receives what the Spirit is saying on our behalf. And see, after the Holy Spirit intercedes, then comes this most familiar verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. That doesn't say for everybody that it'll all work out in the end. It's not true. It works out for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose, which is not their purpose for their lives. God has no obligation to work out your plan. He's committed to working out His purpose for you. Are you willing to submit yourself to that? See, that's the question. But the only reason we can believe that is because we know that the Holy Spirit is praying to God according to God's will. And God's not just trying to meet all of our requests. It's when we're, our lives are aligned with Him. That he will work good in all things. And when we know God is that loving Father, we're we're enabled to struggle, even suffer, without feeling mistreated and abandoned by him. Are you there? Have you come to trust God? So that you can hold on to Him despite your circumstances. Some of you are suffering right now. Can you suffer without complaining, without feeling abandoned? Can you trust Him that He's going to do His will in you and through you, even though it might be painful? No, but I'd like to be. How do I get there? You pray. And then you pray. And then you begin to learn to pray. And then you try praying. And then you start praying. And in the end, this First Thessalonians 5 verse, if they can jump down. Always be joyful. Which is only possible if you never stop praying. That's the next part. And when you don't stop praying, you'll... Be enabled to be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And He is greater than any circumstance you encounter. Soul training for next week. Each day reflect on one point of this outline. Pray through it. Apply it to your life. Read the Lord's Prayer next week in preparation for this coming week's message. And let me invite you again. We pray every Sunday morning at 8.15 if you want to join with us. Father, teach us to pray so that we might know you. In Christ's name, we offer this prayer. Amen. Counselors will be down front if you want to talk or pray with someone now.